podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. And this is the opposition view ahead of Sunday's game against Nottingham Forest. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Rich Ferraro from the 1865 Nottingham Forest podcast and James Jones from the We Are West Ham podcast. A rare appearance alongside me for the opposition view. Pleasure to have both of you here, Rich more so you for sure. Look, we'll get into the the dynamics and the comings and goings at Night in the Forest and the fact that you're just one place, one point behind us in the Premier League. But I want to kick off, as Jonesy's here, um, with uh, the, the do you know, Rich, and are you aware of it, and are you involved in the this irrational, weird uh, rivalry slash hatred that has developed between uh, Nottingham Forest and West Ham fans uh, in very, very recent seasons, basically off the back of the Jesse Lingard saga. Because, and I don't want to throw him under the bus, James Jones, out of absolutely nowhere, absolutely despises Nottingham Forest now. Well, I mean, I can't speak for what other people may feel, but yeah, I can totally understand why... Uh, for some reason, Jesse Lingard seems to be an emotive character, positive or negative. Um, I have to say uh, that my hatred for Nottingham Forest has subsided somewhat since, since really? last season. Yeah, it, it has. It has. The, the no. thing that the, 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 it, it was all born out of the whole Jesse Lingard saga. Um, I still really don't know why he decided to go to Nottingham Forest. I think even given the season he had as well, I think even Nottingham Forest fans are like, well, why did you bother, mate? Um, <laughs> and um, especially when he had an offer from West Ham on the table, a place where he'd done so well at before, and he decided to go to, people say it's money, so he's got Nottingham Forest, just been promoted and signed about 650 players. Um, and then, obviously, we had that game at the City Ground, Nottingham Forest's first Premier League game in 23 years or wherever it was. Oh, yeah. very, it was like the worst game of football in the world. We missed I'm the still angry about that. Had a goal disallowed, <laughs> wrongfully disallowed. Um, Nottingham Forest had a player sent off for hand ball. Put and a hand ball on the line, yeah. It was just, just ridiculous. It was just a ridiculous game. And the comments underneath our reaction video on YouTube for Nottingham Forest <laughs> fans were, quite frankly, a disgrace. So, therefore, I just had a bit... I just, I just, had, I just developed this hatred. I really, 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 only last season, really wanted Nottingham Forest to get relegated, and I was gutted when he didn't. Um, but that's all gone now. I kind of feel like it's a clean slate. We go again this season, and um, there are no hard feelings, Rich. And Rich seems like a really nice bloke as well, so I feel bad. <laughs> oh, Rich, mate, it wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. Yeah. It was just, um, it was just something, something burning inside me just really i was on a rage for 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 all season well well james he gave us a fairly you know fairly balanced view from the away end um after that match um you know you ex we expressed a bit of uh disquiet and you know the refereeing decisions and the fact you hit the bar and everything um and all of those kinds of factors so i'm i'm a bit surprised to see exactly how much that ate away inside of you for the remainder of the season <laughs> <laughs> it really it really did. Yeah. Look, Rich, I'm I'm so sorry that that was your welcome to the uh the We Are West Ham podcast. But um 
Yeah, the, it was also I, I hope you I hope you got it out of your system when you absolutely tanked us at your place. So. Oh, that, that, that that was good therapy. That I enjoyed that very much that day. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Rich. Um, uh, while we're on the topic, then before we get into the uh, uh, like the current affairs, if you like, of of, of Forest Fortunes, talk to us a little bit about um, Jesse Lingard. Uh, this this also Jonesy actually seems like a good time uh, to bring up the fact that. Really randomly, Rich, me and James were having a beer together before the uh, Arsenal game uh, in a little pub near the stadium on Wednesday. And uh, just, just at the bottom of Westfield, it is Tappy, shout out, um, great little boozer. And we're just standing by the door and someone walks past and I went, hang on a minute, that looks like Cheku Kiyate. Sure enough, this uh, six foot four bloke turns around and it was Cheku Kiate. I give him the old cheers. He gave us a little smile and a wave, didn't he? It was lovely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we were both very surprised to see um, uh, to see Cheku playing at Nottingham Forest now, of course, back in um, back in Westfield, just shopping around with his missus. But um, start with Lingard and we'll go on to Kiate afterwards. But what, what what did you make of the, the move in the first place with Lingard and then how it ended up playing out with him at Forest? Well, I mean, it's not a big surprise, is it? If it had worked out, it would have been an amazing signing. He, he just as he was getting good, he got injured. And that happened a couple of couple of times. And in the Carabao Cup match against Tottenham, he was looking like the player that we hoped he would be. And then we never really saw that again, because every time he'd get injured. And then what it's emerged since is that um, injured was a bit of a euphemism. It sounds like his his mental health problems um depression whatever it might be uh reared its ugly head in the second half of the season so it was yeah it didn't really work out what i will say is that he seems to be very highly regarded at the city ground even though he wasn't playing because he and and dean henderson actually um even though he was only on loan and a few of the other players we had terrible injury problems as many teams do but they were there at home and away and when they didn't need to be and they were you know adding to the 12th man that was coming from the forest support as well so um even though it didn't work out and no one's going to say oh i wish i wish we'd kept lingard this season <laughs> but even though it didn't work out i think you know he he kind of moved on with our blessing uh, with regards to the reason he came to us rather than to you i think it's very easy to say it's just down to money and obviously forest did probably pay him more than we've paid any other player in the past but also he did say that because his um he's got a child who's in Warrington, so I think it meant he didn't have to move house full right. time. So I think that was part of his reasoning. And again, if you think about the fact that he's, you know, he's been public in talking about his um, you know, his demons and his mental health struggles, maybe that was the bit of stability he was looking for rather than moving down to London again. Yeah, yeah, of course. How many do you know roughly, forgive me for putting you on the spot, I don't know roughly how many games he played for you. Did he sort of you mentioned a couple of games there. I don't particularly remember, but was he? Did he do anything particularly sort of, uh, you know, good, amazing? Or I don't really know how many games he ended up playing for you because you were obviously, as you mentioned, paying him a few quid. Yeah, it wasn't that many. Um, I'll say there were flashes where just as we thought it was coming into form. So there <coughs> were one match. I mean, both of the matches I'm thinking about were against Tottenham. So one was in the um, in the League Cup where Forest, even though we weren't very good at the time, just turned it on and. Um, and he set up a goal for for Renan Lodi, and he scored one. 
a header as well. So that shows how good Tottenham's defending was on the day. Um, but in the league against Tottenham, we ended up kind of playing yes, without exactly. any any strikers. Um, so Lingard, Gibbs, White, and Brennan Johnson uh, played as a front three, and the movement and and kind of skill and everything was outstanding. And, and fortunately, it didn't quite work out because Tottenham basically did a smash and grab on us. Um, yeah. But yeah, those matches in particular come to mind as saying, oh, there was, there's the real player in there. Mm. Yeah, he never got the run of games and it never quite worked out. Yeah, fair enough. It's just a bit of an odd an odd situation um, with Lingard. And, I, and and it's really hard to sort of make your mind up on him, I think, because he, he obviously came back to West Ham over the summer and was training with the squad. And look, I, I, I was not interested in having him back again. A, we've got loads of players in that position anyway. B, uh, and I do take on board what you said. I appreciate with some players, there's he is a northern type player, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying not in the forest is the north, but like you say, it is for you, <laughs> Inter, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, but Nottingham to Warrington, like you say, it probably might be an hour and a half, two hours. I don't know, but compared to the four hours or whatever, four and a half it takes, yeah, from London, much, right? yeah. yeah, that is a significant, um reason but and, and obviously then he's gone to Saudi and reports there saying he was he was asking for too much money and sort of still struggling to get a club as as far as I'm aware um yeah and it just seems like most teams now unless it is just his financial demands that are putting teams off but you'd think there'd be someone to to take a chance on him but uh but not the case Let, uh, listen just before we move on another hammer like I said we, we saw him the other night and he's a he's a West Ham player that I really liked I, I had a lot of time for Cheku Kiate he was particularly good under uh Slaven Bilic in that last season Upton Park and a couple of years either side of that he was like a poor man's Yaya Toure is how I used to describe him uh, went to Palace from us and then then up to you which I was a bit surprised what have you made of of Cheku in his time at the city ground I, I mean being honest is he possibly past his best this season yeah maybe but but last season there were spells where he made a really important contribution I think just that bit of Premier League know-how um, he, we saw him at his best when he wasn't playing as a defensive midfielder per se, but we moved to a 4-3-3 when basically we were getting battered when we were playing through at the back. So yeah. we moved to a 4-3-3 and we had um, uh, Kuyate and Ryan Yates playing as a kind of the, the roving number eights with Remo Freuler um, sitting in the middle between them. And I think that was something that, that worked quite well. It gave us movement, it gave us energy. And um, and Kiate, you know, did 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 a decent job this season. He's not played as much as with many others. He's he's suffered from niggling injuries, and also now we've just got competition for places in the middle of the park. Um, he took some well, Cheku himself didn't, but there were some pelters going around when we didn't beat Luton a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and one of those was because Yates and Kiate came on for. Um, Dominguez and Sangare in our midfield and people said well you know and Cooper owned it he, afterwards he said that was my mistake I changed him I changed a midfield and that's the bit where we needed to dominate yeah um but yeah he came on with like 15 minutes to go it disrupted our rhythm in midfield I say I wouldn't attach too much blame to the players but Dominguez and Sangare are different in terms of the amount of energy they can do and the amount of finesse they offer whereas you know Cheku's a bit of a workhorse, and so is uh, so is Yatesy. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm taking that as a sign that Forest are moving on as much as Cheku kind of maybe has reached his peak. Yeah, yeah. 
Rich, let's move on to, to this season and the form that Forrest are in. Um, so you, you, you're just below us in the table, one position and one point. Uh, just get your recent form. Big win at the weekend <clears throat> at home to Aston Villa. Um, I think That's that would have been a bit of a, bit of a coupon buster for many, to be, to be <laughs> honest. But um, but lots of draws. I think what's it? Actually, first winning six and four of those six games were were draws against teams that you probably you would be looking back in Nottingham Forest to beat. Obviously, you, did, you mentioned Luton, Palace, Brentford, um, and the two defeats in that six was against Liverpool and Liverpool and Manchester City. So, what are your thoughts so far, given that, you know, there's probably some drop points in those draws, but you haven't really lost the games against teams that you, you would expect to beat, if you know what I mean? I mean, you mentioned about, you know, the reaction of the reaction of Forest fans can be a bit extreme, as with all clubs. Um, so that's that's a conversation that, that we can have separately. But let's just say that we really needed the win at the weekend because we hadn't won in, in sort of seven games. <clears throat> uh, sorry, rather, it's the first win in seven, rather. Um, and, yeah, the, the draw against Luton really got a lot of people kind of eyed up. Brentford, there was the excuse that Nierkate got stupid red card and it was a struggle to, to win from that point. Palace away, it was a really good performance. We just couldn't quite get the ball in the back of the net despite a couple of really good efforts. And I'm sure that you'll have seen the um, the run and shot from Murillo, um, you know, a, a young lad who's come out of nowhere and he just kind of turned it on there. And, and then in the end, actually, the inexperience showed because if he had a few more games under his belt, he'd have known to, to side foot it low past the keeper rather than trying to blast it. But yeah, I mean, to use the old cliche, fine margins in that match. Luton was frankly a bit of a disgrace in terms of how we threw the game away against a team who as much as they're showing fight haven't got that much finesse so yeah we needed the win and it wasn't as much of a coupon buster as you'd have thought actually because still our home form is good and Villa's away form hasn't been amazing but a relatively poor performance from Villa but also probably Forest's most complete team performance of the season so far so we needed it away form then going into this weekend See, last season that was a big, a big talking point for Forest. Was it? Was it? Uh, when you uh, say eight, talking eight, point, you mean bin fire, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Um, it was poor away from home, um, especially going to West Ham. See that four 0 win that we briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, not again. Still hasn't seen a great deal of improvement. You did get a win at Stamford Bridge, um, which let's be honest, this season isn't too difficult. But it's a win all the same. Um, does that give you much hope going into this weekend? The away form, it's a bit of a funny one. We've had really, really hard away matches. You mentioned uh, Man City and uh, and Liverpool. We haven't won at Liverpool since 1969, so I don't think many people holding out much hope. Um, what I would say is that um, against Man City for half a game, against Liverpool for maybe two, 30 minutes um, against Man United for half the game, against Arsenal for about 30 minutes. We showed a really good level of performance. Unfortunately, in most cases, that came a bit too late. But it showed a level of sophistication and finesse that we hadn't shown away from home for most of last season and certainly didn't um, at your place last year. So I think you'll see a slightly different edge to Forest this time around. Um, whether that's enough to get us wins away from home, I'm confident it will. Um, by winning against Chelsea, hey, we already have as many away wins as, as we had for the entirety of last season. So that's got to be a good starting point, hasn't it? Yeah, it's true. It's true. If you're going to get anything out this this weekend, which, to be fair, given the form we're in, you, you do have half a chance. 
um, <laughs> if you take our league form. Um, but who should we? Who should, who's David Moyes looking at this weekend in the Nottingham Forest team? Going right, we need to keep him quiet. Um. So the the obvious one is Taiwo Awonyi, who's you know he's been out injured. He played most of the match yesterday, and he looked really strong. And and, and he offers he looks. I mean, obviously, Mikel Antonio is a player that we know well. We didn't play him up front that often, but actually there's a similarity in terms of energetic, a bit clumsy looking. You're kind of wondering what he's going to do next. Um, but Taiwo also knows where the goal is. So that's the obvious. Oh, that's un- unlike Mikel Antonio. Yeah. Antonio doesn't know where the goal is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love Rich, how you were going to use the word clumsy and then remembered who you were talking to. And it's like, if anyone knows what it's like to watch a clumsy <laughs> yeah. striker, it's these two. But yeah, sorry, well, carry on. Um, but actually, I think that the players who have probably stolen the show in the last few weeks, Nico Dominguez in midfield. I mean, we swapped Remo Freuler was obviously a really good player, but he just wasn't a Premier League player and and it wasn't working out. So to swap him for Dominguez, who looks like the real deal, he looks like a proper number eight. He's got finesse, he's got energy, he can get his foot in. You know, he's played, got international cap um, for Argentina uh, in the past. So, you know, he's, he's, he's mixing with, with good players. And um, so he's been really good. But the one who stood out for me personally this season has been Aral Bangala, who's been playing as a kind of a number six this season, um, just sitting in front of the back four. And just because he's got Sangare and Dominguez either side, he's really enjoying the fact that he's got that little bit of space. He's got the outlets to pass to. And we saw the other day that, um, well, just yesterday, he, he kind of scored a goal. He had a bit of space and he thought, I'm going to have a go here. And it wasn't the best shot in the world, but it had enough power that uh, it made... World Cup winning goalkeeper, Lev Yashin award winner, Emmy Martinez look very, very stupid indeed. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a uh, was a bit of a gaff, wasn't it? It was a bit of a weird, uh, a bit of a weird one. So look, um, Rich, this this game on on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, it is London Stadium with West Ham's European uh, home game against Olympiacos on Thursday, meaning the game's been pushed. What? How do you expect Steve Cooper and Forrest to approach it style-wise? James has mentioned our form recently. We're we're still this season sort of happyish to let the other teams have the ball. Um, we we put turned on this high press against Arsenal in the League Cup, which worked wonders, and sort of reverted back to type against Brentford. Um, we have had some tough games in the league, but you know, sort of it's a it's a pretty important one. But how do you think style-wise? Um, Steve Cooper's going to approach it? Well, he's tried to evolve Forest style. I mean, last season, survival was built upon having a low block and, you know, quick attacks uh, using Taiwo as that focal point um, and so on. Um, this season, he's tried to evolve it, have a little bit more possession base, and it's had it, it's looked good, but it hasn't ne- necessarily gained us success. So I think this time round... I wouldn't be surprised if he reverts to a low block and with Alanga, Gibbs-White and Awanyi up front, relying upon pace and trickery to get behind your defence. Um, <clears throat> and that's what I would expect Forrest to do tactically. I also think that some of that will be, it'll still be a case of Forrest will maybe try and um, sit back and maybe if we do have more of the ball, keep hold of the ball and be patient because we know that you'll be tired after the European match as well. And just as a bit of a, you know, an aside, as you may or may not realise, Olympiacos is our sister team. We've got the same owner. And yeah, uh, so course, there's yeah. quite a few uh, quite a few Forest players and ex-Forest players over there. 
So, um, you know, whether they'll be asking uh, Gustavo Scarpa to put in a reducer on some of your players or not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah, this um, Maranakis, of course, we've had the, uh, we got the guys on, or we had the guys on earlier this week, of course, uh, uh, from Gate 7 International chatting about about Thursday's game. In fact, by the time people are listening to this, uh, the likelihood is um, Thursday's game will be finished already. Um, but let, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a strange one. Josie, what what are you, before we let Rich go and get a score prediction off of off of both of you, what are you feeling about the game? Because I, I feel like it's one of them on paper. It's sort of, we need a result in the league, don't we? Moisey sort of boxed himself into a corner at the moment, really. That, that performance at Brentford, obviously disappointing. Um, what, what what were you thinking about the Forest game? I mean, we've been saying it for the last two weeks, haven't we? But we, we definitely need a, a reaction of some sort. We thought we had that against Arsenal in the in the cup, which we did. To be fair, like still a good um, win. We did, but then we followed that up with a Brentford game. Like we, that's four games in the league without without a win, one point in the yeah. last four. Um, we and if we're going to finish in the top eight this year, which is which is the aim, then we have to start winning football matches again. And we should be looking at, no disrespect, we should be looking at Nottingham Forest at home, given their away form. Yeah. Um, <coughs> as, right, okay, well, this needs to be three points. It cannot be any less than three points. Yeah. Um, taking into account the performance against Arsenal and generally our home form, barring the Everton game, ha- has been pretty good. Yeah. Backing us to get backing us to get back on a, on a horse and get all three points. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Um I I don't know really. Again, obviously, it makes it slightly difficult with with Thursday's game coming up, and and we haven't discussed that yet. But either way, I think I think it is so important now. With that, Brent, the the Everton one was the one really. Brentford, I know we've got that's five defeats on the spin now, but Everton was the one that really sort of makes it important. So uh, I, I I don't know. It just feels like. West Ham fans would often fall into a trap of going, oh, we should beat Nottingham Forest, ignoring the fact they're one point behind us in the league. Um, but yeah, again, as, as I've said before, Moisey knows uh, when to pull a result out just as the pressure starting to crank up on him. So I am l- quietly confident that um, that we can turn this one around. But I, I think any West Ham fans sort of taking, uh, taking it for granted that we'll win against a, a well-organised team under an absolutely brilliant manager I, I think will be a, bit, a little bit foolish but Rich uh, it's been great having you on the show on the We Are West Ham podcast thanks so much for joining us just before we let you go give us a score prediction Sunday afternoon London Stadium West Ham v United Forest in the Premier League um, Head says 2 all Heart says 2-1 to Forest There we go There we go Jonesy uh, we can't keep a clean sheet for love nor money, so I think Forrest will really? score. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 or 3-1 West Ham. We've got goals, obviously Bowen's firing them in. Kudos has started uh, scoring as well, so I'm going to go 2-1 or 3-1 West Ham. Well, pick one, because I'm going to grab the other one. Not that we ever uh, come back to these anyway. Uh, I'll go 3-1. 3-1. Uh, goals, goals, goals. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, weirdly, I think it's going to be 2-1 to West Ham. <laughs> oh, funny that! I, I predict no. Kudus to score. That's that's my prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kudus and For- Kudus and Forest, both of those to score for sure. <laughs> yeah. But listen, Rich, uh, Rich Ferraro there from the eighteen sixty five Night in the Forest podcast, absolutely brilliant. Having you on the show, looking ahead to Sunday's game, West Ham v Night in the Forest in the Prem, another 
hugely important one for David Moyes and for West Ham's hopes of qualifying for European competition again next season. We're getting into that territory already. I hate calling games must win, but it probably is a must win if uh, Moisey wants to keep up his points per game ratio or the points per game ratio necessary to finish in those top seven or eight positions. But Richmond Graham, you're with us. Jonesy, lovely to have you join for uh, an opposition view. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for this week. Me and Jonesy will be back early next part of next week to review the Olympiacos game and uh, this game, of course, against Nottingham Forest before we look ahead to another busy period for the Hammers. Thanks for listening. Up the Hammers. West Ham is still massive and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.